Good morning and happy Monday! I'm Monica Wofford and this is your Monday Moment. It's a question. Are your employees betraying you? Hmm. Now the title of today's Monday Moment might well need sound effects. Perhaps we need a dastardly laugh like and a cartoon character of an evil wrongdoer typecast. Those both might help convey the mood of this discussion and the potential answer to the question. As this month's podcast focus on leaders being loyal to their ethics, we must also consider the ethical agreements implied in employment and how your employers, employees, are interpreting them. Whether the discussion is about non-compete agreements, personal gain arrangements, or outright theft of confidential client data. Perhaps the larger question to consider as a leader is not are they betraying you, but will they betray you, and if so, to what extent and what impact. But before you panic, let's look at the areas in which employees' betrayal of you, the leader, or the leadership of your larger organization are most common. The first, of course, is in the area of non-compete agreements. Now, according to Wikipedia, a non-compete agreement or clause, often an NCC, or covenant not to compete, a CNC, is a clause under which one party, usually an employee, agrees not to enter into or start a similar profession or trade in competition against another party, usually the employer. In layman's terms, this clause or document is intended to dissuade an employee from taking the information or training or pricing they've learned from one employer over to a new position of working with a competitor in the same market. Often these agreements extend for a finite period of time, and even more often, they're found to be completely unenforceable in a court of law particularly in most of the state of California. Now, before you run to legal counsel at your office and tell them they're doing it wrong, or before you leave your current position thinking no matter what you've signed, no one will try to enforce a non-compete you may have signed, let's look at the ethics involved. An employee or leader with a personal set of ethics that say, I don't steal, would not likely need this document to follow his or her own set of standards. An employee with an even stronger belief that says, I'll get even with those who have wronged me, may find an internal struggle upon leaving your organization, particularly if they have resentment that's bigger than their concern over the consequences of violating said non-compete agreement. An entirely different population of employees, while a much smaller audience, will be prone to break rules and laws that simply don't suit their desires as a regular course of business. So here's the issue. If leaders believe a non-compete forces loyalty, it's the very concept of loyalty that eludes them. To prevent your intel from getting to a competitor via a disgruntled former employee, Consider the impact of the type of leadership you provided them with when they were part of the team 
you have the privilege of leading. Did you go above and beyond to accommodate them or whatever they needed? Did you abide by your own set of ethics to treat them with fairness and equitable distribution of rewards and compensation? Not all who leave and betray these agreements can be traced back to a fault within the leader, but more can than is likely being currently considered. Don't want employees to betray you here? Give them much less to be resentful of or disgruntled about in the first place. And the second area in which employee betrayal is unfortunately and sadly common is in personal gain arrangements. Now, at a senior level of leadership, those you lead, the employees you serve, are likely to have their own signing authority. It's possible the leaders you lead can enter into contracts up to a certain point without your input or sometimes awareness. Even in cases where the agreement is small, personal gain stands to come into consideration. Let's say one senior leader, who doesn't even drink coffee, enters into an agreement with a large coffee vendor for the many break rooms in your multi-state organization. Because he or she isn't a coffee drinker, there's no realization that the coffee is swill <laughs> and not worth drinking. But what was appealing was the 15% kickback given to the leader who made sure to sign said agreement. Complaints are consistent from employees nationwide about the awful coffee, but little is done to change it for the employees because of the leader's personal gain arrangement. In fact, this leader actively defends the coffee vendor. Some call this business. Some see the conflict in priorities. Yet, does a leader do what's best for the company or best for the employees? Does the issue of how bad the coffee is in the break rooms even rank in the top 10 of issues worth addressing? Perhaps. What if other vendors were actually cheaper and better? What if this were the beginning of a pattern and the next decision for which personal gain was possible was for subpar employee health care or benefits? Leaders may betray even the savviest of senior leaders based on a differing set of ethics and in areas with many or more shades of gray. How important is coffee, really? Is how important coffee is even relevant? Or how important is this pattern of behavior in betraying the very employees this leader has the privilege and responsibility of leading and serving? Are you able to make decisions that serve the workforce and maybe serve your own personal interests less than other options? Is there an unwritten rule that backdoor or personal gain arrangements are acceptable, you know, provided you can get away with them? Even at the frontline level, Discounts are given at a register as a customer negotiates or gives a clerk whatever they have to offer. Make clear your guiding principles in this area of personal gain, or you may be untangling some agreements 
legal and otherwise, that at a high level become quite tricky to identify and in which to intervene. And the last area in which employee betrayal in some companies could be considered rampant is in the confidential data theft area. Now data breaches are no longer even headline news. They happen with such frequency. However, these are typically breaches by a hacker seated in a foreign country or in their mother's basement. <laughs> when the thief of client data is an internal employee, the betrayal feels much more personal and most leaders find the behavior completely unacceptable. Even expressing surprise that someone would consider taking such action. Do not be surprised. This happens often. In fact, it's such a common occurrence that some large companies keep terminations or reorganizations very, very quiet until the moment of the announcement at which time security personnel is standing in your doorway ready to escort you out with only your personal belongings. Confidential data theft is as real as shoplifting in teenage girl jewelry stores in a mall in your area. Yet without a set of internal ethics that say, I don't steal, the temptation is pretty real. With a termination and the feeling of being wronged, the access to intel feels often less like theft and more like an entitled payback. But how do you prevent it without micromanaging every bit of information accessed? One method is to avoid giving one employee access to all parts of the data. Give one division access to, say, customer name and address, one with access to emails and names, and one with socials and street addresses, or some such system. Another method is to make known the ability to access all company laptops and PCs and trace every keystroke of what employees have saved, printed, or accessed. A leader could go complete big brother on this one. Or a leader could look for ways to uncover the ethics and hot buttons of team members long before they offer him or her a position. Consider asking existing team members and those you're considering giving a job offer, what are your commandments? Readily identifiable as rules written on a stone tablet. This question is often easier to answer than questions around ethics. Give candidates and team members word problems, such as those in third grade math class, and that reveal how one might truly address ethical situations. Now on a large scale, corporations do these things, but the number of people being hired and the lack of personal attention paid to each candidate makes the rigorous seeming system easily gained. And the frustration of online applications alone could give someone justification to lie on their application just because of the time they've wasted in having to talk to a computer. Be different. Give the attention, even on the team you've already hired. Ask them questions. Have this discussion. 
Lead not by the fear of the consequences you'll wield if they do betray you, but by being the kind of boss that creates loyalty, clarity, and a feeling of never wanting to have their actions, no matter the justification, come back to hurt you, even when they're angry with the organization. Now for this week, as we do in all weeks of our Monday moment, your Become a Better Leader challenge is to simply make ethics and these three areas a topic of conversation in your next staff meeting. I'm Monica Wofford, and that's your Monday moment. Have a great week, and of course, stay contagious.